0: Welcome to the Invisible Sensei podcast. I hope you're well. I know I always say that, but I always mean it. Wherever in the world, or the country, or the time of day or night, evening, afternoon that you're listening to this, it's good to be sitting down with you. I hope you've got a a hot cup of something caffeine filled, hopefully. Or, you know, for me I'm a, a lemon, honey and barley sort of a person, or a bit of garlic and there's really nice. I've got a little bit of A flu or a little bit of a sniffle so you'll notice that so I'll be sniffing a little bit also I want to state at the top of this podcast that when you hear this sound that is me opening a bottle of water um that is not me opening any any um any alcoholic beverage this is literally a NZ natural sparkling spring water from New Zealand so if you if you're thinking that It's an excuse for the way that I ramble that he must be getting drunk while he's doing the podcast. It is in fact not the case. So, anyway, hope you're well. I have managed to uh, grab a mate of mine to come onto the podcast with me uh, this morning. And it's one of those things where the invisible sensei is a person who will kind of drop things on people, unbeknownst to them. I have these things called, a friend of mine calls them the, the aha moments. So I tend, at times, to make very... What's the word? Um, I make very off-the-cuff decisions, and my friends just have to kind of get on board with me. So this morning I've got my friend, Cheryl, who studies at the Southern Cross Bukai Karate up there in Cairns, Australia, with my brother from another mother, um, BJ Sensei, and um, with uh, Sensei Misha, and with Dojo Brothers and Sisters uh, Rudolph and JR, and the rest of the fams up there, and I called her early this morning, I said are you feeling brave, and fortunately she was feeling brave, and I thought I'll get her on because one of the things that Cheryl is, aside from uh, Karateka, and um, a lot of other things is that she's a physiotherapist, so she's been helping me out doing some some assessments on my many injuries as a mate and a friend, (laughs) and I'm trying to keep up with that stuff, so I thought let's talk about, you know how that relates to her understanding of body mechanics and things like that relates to karate, and does it help? And also, she's been in karate coming up to two years, um, and a real dedicated student, loves it. And actually, as I sit and talk to her, I'm looking at her on Zoom, and she is just surrounded by there's weights, and there's a treadmill, and there's um, a bag a, a bag attached to strapped to a metal post. There's makiwara, There's all sorts of training gear behind. Um, which I'm assuming most physiotherapists don't have. But our topic this morning is the beginner's mind. And I thought, as someone who's been in karate for coming up to 43 years, and as someone, who, as someone who's been in karate coming up to two years, are those things alike? Are they different? Do they change um, now that I am the absolute pinnacle of human perfection and physical mastery, not really, really, not really, um, do I at my stage have the same thoughts, feelings, emotions and uh, what's the word? Enthusiasm for the martial arts as Cheryl does. So Cheryl, how are you this morning? How was how beautiful Ken's? Uh, good morning, thanks for having me on here. Um, beautiful Ken is
1: Funny, absolutely sunny today. Mm. Um, I don't really see any um, clouds in the sky,
0: and yeah, yeah, gorgeous
1: winter morning.
0: You know what the thing is? Is like, I'm sitting here, literally, and with a fire in the next room, with a scarf and my favourite woolen jersey on. It's freezing. It's a couple of degrees. It's been a couple of degrees below zero. So. I just want to say from the people of Wanua Mata here in beautiful oh. in beautiful New Zealand that uh, we hate you, Kens for your all-year-round wonderful weather. I mean, I, so <laughs> in Cairns, I imagine your idea of winter is that you have to wear a T-shirt instead of a singlet. Yes, and
1: occasionally I'll put on socks <laughs> with my sandals.
0: No, not really. <laughs> no, I oh, don't get me started on the walk shorts yeah, and the sandals. Different.
1: There's two days a year I might put
0: on my jumper. Wow. Well, I mean, you know, like just from a martial arts perspective, imagine what it's like when your core temperature is always up. You know, like, I know for here, one of the things for me, and this will be an interesting thing, actually, um, I'm going to ask you to put your physiotherapist and karate head on now. I know in New Zealand, especially here, we're in our winter, and... Um, I've actually got a, a couple of injuries to my forearms. I was doing some some weight training early in the morning, and I did so without a warm up. And I find that um, when I do a warm up, if I don't do a warm up, I tend to get little injuries and so on and so forth. So, how important is it to you to to warm up? Because you know, as a martial artist, you know that. And what's the what's the ideal time? And what, what do you want to do for a warm up ideally? Um, in terms of warm
1: up, you want to make sure that you started to increase your heart rate so that your heart's actually providing enough blood flow to the extremities that we're going to work out. Um, And then our blood vessels will um, dilate, expanding those areas so it can provide enough um, oxygen, oxygenated blood and take away the the oxygenated blood um, efficiently. That when we do start to use it for bigger, heavier, faster thing that it's ready to go. So um, you probably want to be looking at. There's not really a minimum time, but the longer the warm up and the um, it, the better it will be, um, obviously. And then also you need to make sure that you're going through the full joint range of motion as well. So. You really want to do dynamic type warm up. Mm. So you, you're um, going from one extreme um, of the movement to the other, and mm. um, the, the joints, tendons, muscles are getting their full movement before you even start trying anything that's too heavy or too powerful. Mm. Mm. Um, I think oh, slightly off in a tangent, but you try to avoid stretching. Cold or stretching as part of the warm up. You don't want to be doing the static stretching, and also um, obviously um, you have to be quite warm before you even look at doing weights. Even if it's just push ups, really, you should
0: do a little bit of a warm up. Oh, well, that's, that's good. That's, that's good. Good because you know you just. I, I suppose for me, I understand the importance of warm up, but I like I get up at five and go and do a, call my regimen in the morning and for the last couple of weeks it's been so cold I've just rolled over and just pushed myself further under the, under the sheets and just gone, I'll do it tomorrow, which and as we know tomorrow never comes. Um, why is it important to do, you know, you're talking about the difference between static um, stretching and dynamic stretching. So for, um, for something like karate, how is, which is better? Because I know for me, I know in my sessions, and I'm totally... Um, Mining you for information, so I get the better in my sessions. I my sessions sometimes tend to be the warm ups tend to be a half of this actual session. Um, okay. Is it like I mean there's static stretches and so on and so forth? Um, what would you for karate? What's the best? What, what give me an example of how you'd warm up if you, you're doing in your own training? How would you use these stretches and so on?
1: I'd focus a little bit more on getting my heart rate up first, so that might be something as simple as jumping on the spot and then forward, backwards, sideways, even just start doing a little bit of um, hyperbarking and things like that to get the bigger muscle groups going and then um, once I feel my heart rate up, that's when I start to do some dynamic um, movements, So Start with the shoulders, you know, just the circles. Um, start small, especially if it's quite cold, you're not gonna go straight into the full range of motion straight away, so small um, angles to start with and then slightly bigger and bigger and then faster um, mm. as you do more repetition. And then we'll do some thoracic rotation as well, really, really important. Um, and then the hips, so might start with leg swing and rotations of the hips things like that Um, and I like to do dynamic stretching of my calves so they're on they're on a slight stretch so I might be in like a downward dog position Mm -hmm. on um, on ground and so the calves are actually on stretch and then sort of just pumping your ankles so yeah you're forcing gently forcing that range of motion but you're not holding it you're making it go through the full movement
0: um, dynamically. You know one of the things that you know it's interesting when you talk about that just going through the the warm-up that I learned at you know at the basic not the I shouldn't say the basic but the standard regime uh, regime that do that practitioners go through especially if they've come through the IOGKF as I did as a as a kid um, that you almost perfectly articulated the standard um, warm up, and then, which was apparently what Miyagi Sensei, what Miyagi Sensei's standard warm up was. We we're talking about thoracic um, twisting and things like that. Almost, I wonder whether the whether they had it. They must have had a knowledge of the body to create something so specific. And of course, in Okinawa, it's a very hot climate, much like Ken's. So I guess your your core temperature is really high. When I lived in the Cook Islands. Um, my core temperature was always really high, so I felt like I recovered from injuries a lot quicker, or maybe I was getting less injuries because it was so so much warmer. Um, <clears throat> so, you've been you're coming up to your second year of karate, and how long have you been a physio for, Shil? Uh, I graduated in two
1: thousand and one. Okay. Oh,
0: okay. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, You're a physio. Yeah, you're a, you're a tenth done. You're a tenth done um, a physio. Um, and in terms of looking at karate now as a practitioner, what are some of the things, looking at from a, from the lens of a physio, what are some of the things which sort of strike you about the way in which we move as karate practitioners? Is anything that kind of sticks out in terms of um, things that we shouldn't be doing or, or things that, you know, kind of a little bit on the old school? I mean, I know, for me, when I started doing, we were all about squat jump, jumps with weights in our shoulders and all that sort of stuff and... I know a lot of practitioners of my age, even younger and obviously older, who've blown their knees and their hips out doing stuff like that. Is there any, perhaps not in your own door but just from what you've seen in your own experience, the kind of exercises we should stay away from if we're wanting to have longevity? Uh, That's a tough one because um, I
1: guess from my experience, is quite limited. Mm. And um, in our dojo, I find that everything that we do, not just to talk it up, but mm.
0: <laughs> everything that <laughs> we do. Awesome. Okay. Uh, this, is, this is a book, a just in case, you know, this is the bit where, um, where Cheryl does the commercial for the Southern Cross <laughs> Bukai Karate Academy. Go. <laughs> no, but it all seems quite biomechanically
1: sound. Mm. And a lot of this is... Um, it's very like they obviously the old masters obviously knew the human body inside out a lot more than they, that than I probably know it, to be honest. Mm. Um, and so in terms of where we can get our strength and um, yeah, the, the positioning and and using our body wisely, I guess. Mm. And so, yeah, in my couple of years of experience, but I don't think I've really seen anything that I feel like we should not be doing. Mm. Um, I think, um, if,
0: if I can oh, just sort of oh, interrupt oh. you there, sorry, Sheil, I think the first thing you shouldn't be doing is is, um, is following that guy, PJ Broomhall Sensei. Um, there's <laughs> I something, I, I'm going to be honest, I don't usually say this, but there's something not quite worth that guy, his ears are too far apart and his eyes are too close together. Um, <laughs> But also, I think the thing is to be on a serious note. I think one of the things I appreciate about your sensei is that he's one of those people who's constantly evaluating what he's doing. Um, he seeks sort of a knowledge, and he's got a pretty amazing pedigree in the sense that he's really devoted himself to it and getting um, strong at it by allowing himself to be to not being stuck in a certain in a certain way of doing things, not be frightened to to um, improve or, or, or re-look at things and let things go. I think it's a real important thing. Um, so for you, what sort of stuff do you do to maintain? I mean, I'm sitting here talking to you and I'm to see your makiwara and your punch bag and all the rest of that. What sort of stuff do you do to maintain for your karate training personally? Um, I guess
1: the, the main thing that I would... Tend to spend a bit more time on is my kata. Um, at the moment, I am I have eight that I've learned. Uh, that is uh, the six that we do with our grading katas, and then just uh, punching and punch mm. So I try to do those pretty much every single day. And that's, that's probably more important to me at the moment, just because it helps me. That's my best way to meditate at mm. the moment. Mm. And I, I have tried normal meditation before mm. and, and practicing mindfulness
0: and all mm. that stuff just to try to sort of you know, calm down anxiety and things like that. Yep. But what's been most effective for me, I think, is practicing kapa. Mm. So true, yeah. so true. And what do you, you know, like, um, for you, um, like, two years into it, how how have you, what kind of grabbed you about karate that's made you kind of, you know, I'm literally looking at your house, the bottom of your house as we're talking in your, in your downstairs, and it literally looks like a dojo. Um, What's what's kind of created in, in you this desire, to, this real love of the art? Is it the people you're training with? Is it the sensei? Is it the community? Is it the art itself or a combination of those things? What is it about it that's grabbed, that grabbed you? This Yeah, I want to keep doing this.
1: I think this answer probably changes uh, maybe regularly, semi-regularly and even one day I might be thinking it's one thing and then another day it might be another. Sorry. But there's definitely a lot of um, positive things that I love about it. And I definitely say, I guess as a physio, I find everything is is the whole package. Mm. Uh, I I think that <coughs> you know it's great if you want to focus on just general um, mental health. You've got the cardio side <coughs> of it, high intensity interval training side, flexibility, balance. Um, so when you're practicing it, you. You don't really have to think about, um, I guess, making sure that you've got the all round gym program and setting yourself a, a gym program to focus on mm. uh, every component because mm. just practicing karate for me is, yeah, covers all that. So, and obviously that's one thing, but I absolutely enjoy um, just the, the feeling of. Um, uh, besides the people and obviously connecting with them, and, and they're great people, um, but just, I guess I don't really like to use the word empowered, mm. or, but just feeling like you you're not so helpless. Does mm. mm. that make
0: sense? Mm. No, that makes perfect sense. I think the thing is, is that you know, like I understand what you're talking about with empowered because I often. So in Māori there's a term and it's called mana. And mana means, I guess, the intrinsic spiritual power and esteem that you're you're born with. And I think at times in life, um, it's it, sometimes that sort of stuff, you can kind of go a little bit on the back burner to the point where we forget what we're actually capable of. So, I mean, empowerment's an interesting term because I think that we all have that spiritual power and that potential. And for me, I would... I would put it like this: I think karate helps us to remember and get in touch with what we already have. So with that, I mean for me, and when you're saying I, I've got the same thing when people say I'm too empower, I think that we all we just it's a question of tapping into it. And the karate, for me, I really resonate what you're saying resonates with me because, you know, when I do kata and things like that, you know, the, the amount of Mental dialogue that goes on when I'm doing it, and going, "Oh, that was terrible. That was this. That was that." But when you get to a point where you're not thinking anymore, where you're just being in the moment and just trying to practice, whether it's a a kihon kata, a basic kata, or sort of the, some of the more um, advanced kata, um I just come away feeling like I've actually achieved something. Like I've had a, a flu for the last um, couple of weeks, a mild sort of a flu, which has kind of just lifted in the last couple of days and I went to the dojo yesterday morning and I practiced only two kata and I was just perspiring. I was like, oh my gosh, um, you're old, you're this to that. But I actually really enjoyed the training and I think for me kata is just, yeah, it's, moving meditation's a real good way of putting it. I like the way you put that. Um, I'm an active kind of relaxer, I suppose, in the sense that I like to be doing stuff. Um, and but it's, it's a way of not getting so self-critical. Is there a particular kata where you go, yeah, I just there's just something about that kata that I like? Is there a kata you go, yeah, this is the one? What what one is it for you?
1: Well, um, I'm loving my current kata scene at the moment, but the ones that I always go back to, um, that I think I like, I mean, I don't want to choose favourites, I like them all, but I like it because I actually... Struggle with it is cipher, uh, and that's because I, I feel like I'm very go, mm. and I, I need to work on the juice side of mm. things. And when it comes to cipher, I just feel uh, yeah, I'm just not getting it. So yeah. I I do it all the time. I always choose it when I have to. When I get to choose the cut, I'm going to do. I'll choose it because I the
0: challenge for them. Mm. I think that with, I mean, you've got to also consider the fact that, you know, your instructor's pretty pretty terrible too. I mean, you've got to focus <laughs> on that. I mean, Sensei Broomhall, come on, let's be honest. I mean, come on, man. No, but seriously, I I, I hear you on that. It's funny that you're talking about cipher. I've always struggled with cipher. It's one of those, it's one of those to where I've just sort of started to make a friend of it in the last few years. And it's interesting because, it was just, it never felt like a natural kata for me, especially when you're dropping into the shikodachi and doing the uraken. It's like it feels, it just, I just, have always felt like it's not a kata that comes naturally to me. But I think that I'm slowly starting to, after about 30 years of doing it, of practicing the kata, I'm starting to sort of, maybe, maybe we're not friends, but, now we can sit in the same. Me and Cipher can sit in the same room together and make a polite conversation, you know. Um, and, and so, what? Which cutter? So you were saying there was a kata that you always go back to that you really enjoy. So what's, what's the difference now? Do you think that the kata you learnt first, you bring, you can see the relation between the first kata to your to Saint-Cin? Are there certain elements that you try and put into both kata? Because you know, when you're learning, she was looking at me like going, mm, I'm not really understanding and I'm not really understanding myself. You know, like <clears throat> when you first learn a kata, right, your first kata, you don't have anything to relate it to because it's just this kata, this form of movement. Now, eight katas in, can you see the relationship between the different kata? I mean, is there, are there certain common elements for you in the way that you do kata or look at kata?
1: I was trying to learn my first kata, yeah, that was was crazy. Um, And I never thought I would actually learn eight after trying to learn that first one. Uh, I think with the main things that I'm getting out of all of them, if this answers the question, is uh, the change of direction um, and (coughs) visualising... Oh, and, and really just kind of, yeah, utilizing that change of direction and, and mixing it up. I, I kind of mix it up with speed um, and then just even um, the movements of the arms, the tightening of the movements of the arms as the legs are changing direction and things like that. I try and mix it up and see what what feels natural. And, I, and that was really, really hard for me with the first half part, I was just, I mean, just figuring out the steps were hard enough, but now coming into doing tension and yeah, sort of eight passes in, I'm really starting to feel that, and, and
0: the reasons and why, um, yeah. Which, I don't know if that makes. Yeah. No, 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 no. That no, that honestly, that makes a lot of sense. It's it's a, it's a strange thing because I mean, like we talked about this morning, you know, when we started, was that it was about the beginner's mind, and I suppose. When I get into trouble is when I don't approach kata in, in that way or karate in that way. The other night, we did a, you know, um, Your Dojo Sister Kalima and Sisters Kalima and Tiawa. We were doing a um, training session and I was teaching the class. And it was just a real, not a basic exercise, but we were doing some cardiovascular exercise in it and I just felt myself absolutely struggling. And I, and I was going, why am I doing this to myself? What, what did I, why did I do this? This is a bad decision. I instantly regret my decision, um, <clears throat> because I suppose when I was doing it, I was going. Oh, I'm struggling a little bit more than I'm than I'm used to, and um, I think I thought well because I was starting to think. But I'm the sensei and I'm this and I'm and I need to be this and that, rather than go look. I'm a beginner too, and to approach it in that way, and I think with um, kata, sometimes. <laughs> you know like there's so much to practice in karate as you know <clears throat> and I think there are times when I know for me I kind of leave things on the back burner in terms of all oh, there's kata that I don't practice because I don't like doing them like kura ronfa a kata that I, I struggle with but I've been working on lately um and i get into this sort of thing of i oh, well i should be this and i should be that rather than just accepting myself how where i am and who i am and what i'm doing in that moment okay, you're struggling because you haven't been doing enough cardio you know mr invisible sensei guy you've been talking too much podcast and not doing enough uh, roadwork and things like that <laughs> and it's very i think one of the things about the beginner's mind is that it's is it's really simple you know just practice you know um and it and it's and it's hard because it's quite humbling from time to time because you know you start get into this place of thinking, oh I'm amazing, <laughs> and then you get brought down to earth. You know, oh yeah, and no, I'm not actually not everything I, I thought I was. Um. So do you, you do some you do a bit of sparring, uh with um, Paul Sensei, just in general in the class. Hey, yeah,
1: everything. Okay.
0: And how do you find so? what was your first experience when you first started doing free sparring and things like that what was your experience of it and how did you how did you find that
1: very daunting um, I was really really scared still am um, I think yeah just always not, not having that confidence to even know what I'm doing um, I just feel like everything I do is kind of, yeah, but I'll just stuff it up, I guess. <laughs> Even <laughs> from, I think we started when we were yellow belts, but um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's, I guess one of the moments that my anxiety really kicks in. Mm. Mm. So yeah, you just can't think um, <clears throat> when you start to think of some combos. Trying to just trying some combos or um, even being able to reverse something. So, someone's throwing a technique, there's absolutely no way, even now, I feel like I can counter that. Um, As much as when we drill it (coughs) and we're just doing um, partner drills, we practice it over and over again and you get really comfortable and you're like, yeah, I can do this, you know. Mm. And then when it comes to actual kumite, Sessions,
0: um, yeah, it's just gone. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't worry, that you know, like um someone was talking to me about Kumite last week and saying, like, What do you think about Kumite and Nandori and things like that? And I said, I would look at it in this way <clears throat> it's the art of covering your mistakes. It's an art of recovering from something not going right. That's how I would typify it. And I think there's a lot of different levels to it. I mean, from what I've seen from Paul Sensei and the stuff that we've shared in terms of the, some of the stuff that happens in the dojo, what I really like is that there's a an overall there's a broad view of kumite and what constitutes um, sparring. And I also love that um, yeah, the bukai that you do you have um, what's the word? Now you guys work in all the ranges, you know, like there's there's newaza, there's grappling and there's standing striking, there's closing the distance, kicking, punching, striking. Um, so, and and that's not that is not um, for some some dojo it is, um, but for a lot of dojo that's not a thing. You know, they don't they work in a specific range, and sometimes it can be very point orientated sort of a range. So how do you find doing groundwork and all that, sort of adding all that together? Um, is that sort of something you've found quite natural, or um, do you have a specific kind of range that you like to work in? Um, well, I
1: guess from my very first day in class, everything was introduced as basic. So um, it was never like, we're going to advance into groundwork or anything like that it was always always part of it. So our key one, our basics is what we use whether we're, you know, this distance apart or right into close grappling range or on the ground. So we end up using the basics. Um, sorry, you might have to repeat the
0: question. <laughs> sorry, I've got this thing where I do this long winded thing when I ask questions <laughs> and it's a terrible habit. I mean, just in terms of where you feel most comfortable, I mean like you say, you've you've kind of answered the question in a way because, you know, it was introduced from day one that this is what we do. <coughs> and um I've seen what uh, Paul Sensei does and Misha Sensei do, you know, they have a, a a broad range of techniques in the sense that they it's not just about kicking and punching and striking, there's also takedowns and throws and grappling and things like that. So you actually answered the question. You know, you said that, you know, it's just kind of how it is. Um <coughs>
1: In terms of where I'm most comfortable, um, that's pretty easy. That's none of it <laughs> all of it. All of it, <laughs> none is very of it all of it. Difficult and very challenging. Um, mm. but I enjoy um I enjoy the the really close grappling, you know, you you're sort of in that clinch position and, mm. you know, entangling hands, that's
0: sort of yeah.
1: my yeah. favorite part of it. Yeah.
0: I remember I did a we remember we did a, a lesson with Paul since was t- was teaching and, and he came up with this fantastic exercise, just using like a, a medicine ball, Hi. and I remember I remember I forgot my cameras on and I just gone kind of, I've got to get something circular so I whipped <laughs> the clock off the wall and I was just using using a clock and thank you guys for, for noticing that that was yeah that was kind of like a, what's like a photo of it actually oh great great great. Great. That makes me feel even, even better. My now my anxiety's up. Um, I'll write that on the up. So you've got some really strong practitioners in your dojo, and in particular, you've got um, as a female practitioner, as a female karateka, you've got Misha Sensei, and, and I, I don't know if there's other 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 a few. Is there a, a few other um, women practicing in the uh, bukai.
1: Females in our fifth, well, Misha's dojo, so Red Lynch. um, And there's another couple of adult females in the Edmonton dojo, which is where I train. Mm. um, And then the rest of uh, kids, sort of under 16. So there's two adult females, and they they probably don't quite attend as much as I do and that's quite as obsessed as I am. Obsessed is the
0: worst. Uh, <laughs> but, uh,
1: every now and then, um, especially with one, with one of them, we do just one-on-one training sessions because, yeah, she she's loving it as well and she's actually um, got her showdown in a different style and mm. learning this stuff for her. Uh, she's really, really enjoying the, the different applications of the techniques she's been learning for
0: decades. Wow. Basically. Wow. And... <clears throat> So in terms of, you know, being, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to be PC. I'm trying to be respectful. Um, it, it, as a female practitioner, I mean, I know for, you know, like, you know, you're good mates with Tawa and Kalima here, and uh, usually they're the smallest people in the dojo. Like, I'm one of the smaller guys, and I'm 6'4". So they're training predominantly with large, angry Polynesian guys. Um <coughs> and well, i'm joking when i say angry by the way but you know bigger guys so in terms of the elements that make that you look up to in terms of a female practitioner what are some of the things that you try to emulate what are the people that have kind of um maybe influenced? who are the who are the people that influence the way you want to be as a karate student male or female but preferably female actually let's get into that
1: Okay, uh, well, I guess in terms of the biggest influence um, as a female practitioner is uh, Misha Sensei. Um, she's much younger than me, but obviously um, a lot more experienced in karate, and not she? Just very wise beyond her years, and she's actually, um, she's a very, very caring, genuine person. Mm. Um, and... The, what I would em, like to emulate with, um, with her, I guess, is uh, just that she's, she's very, very understanding and she takes a lot of time uh, with the students, uh, uh, gives them that time of the day. Um, and I think for a student to feel that the sensei, is, or even for another karate in general, is, is really giving you that, that time, that's a pretty big big thing for a student so um, I guess I want to be able to do that to other students too because you know sometimes you feel like you're just rushing around in, in your day and you sort of you don't feel like you have that time for someone else but you need to make especially the young kids feel that they're heard and and that yeah someone seems for them is actually taking that time for them. Does that make sense?
0: No, that makes perfect sense, and what's cool about that too is that I, I think it is so important to you know you never know you when you have an can have an a positive or a negative influence over someone, you know like um an, a, an unguarded comment can do so much to a person's confidence. I know for me that. Um, you know, I've, I've, they always say you'll never meet the people you look up to because you'll always be disappointed. But I've met—I've been really lucky, and the people that I've looked up to and met—you know, like taking a moment just to engage in a real human way can mean so much and um, can be so encouraging. And and I know that I've had that in my life. I've been very lucky, and so I, when I'm in a position to do so, or in a position where it's you know someone approaches me or something, I do try to you know, try and actually be engaged, try and actually be honest and and, and there with that person. And I think it's so true as martial artists, especially with young people coming through, if we don't take the time, excuse me, or just students coming through, young or old, if we don't take the time to engage, we're not going to have a martial art because no one's going to want to continue that that on. And I know people get all sort of caught up in the combat, it's this and it's combat that. I mean, but to be honest... (sighs) I think for me, I'm starting to realise that martial arts is more a lifestyle, and it's a, a way of viewing the world. It's a way of um, it's about It really is about relationships, and the relationship my the relationship I have with myself, and who I want to be, the relationship I want to have with my family. I mean, you're a mother. How do you do? You feel that like I've got a friend of mine who's an artist, and he said. My art is good because I don't bring my art to life. I bring my life into my art. How, As a mother, how do you feel... Does karate impact upon that? And does being a mother impact upon your karate? I know that's kind of a big question. What are the values that you kind of feel you might bring in? Um, It's it's actually a really
1: huge impact um, on my karate because... I feel that one of the things that keeps me going or one of my major drivers, um, my why uh, with karate would be uh, related to my family or my kids especially. Mm. And, and that's just to, to do with being able to teach my kids and the kids in general, the youngest generation, being able to... Um, the one day being you know, able to teach them that self-protection and not just in actual physical uh, the physical manner but de um, escalating situations and, and having that that awareness um, uh, of conflict avoidance and things like that and i think that's one sort of the main things that i would get out of karate but the, the main thing I, I
0: want to also teach the the maybe next generation mm. especially my kids yeah, yeah yeah see that's so cool the way you put that Um, you know the way that you look at it because <clears throat> I just wanted to be a superhero and have Kung Fu as my superpower that was my whole, <laughs> whole reason for doing it I mean I started doing um, using weapon work and doing Kendo and stuff like that because I thought that the gear that they wore looked very much like the what they wore in Star Wars. <laughs> so so when I when I listen to you and you talk about well your reason for doing it, which is a selfless reason, wanting to protect your family and teach them to look after each other and then to help other people, that makes me feel <clears throat> like yeah, I want I've gotta come up with a better reason. I've got to come up with a better why. <clears throat> so now let's talk a little bit about um about your training in that training with i mean i want to you know like i've talked a little bit about broomhall sensei and misha sensei and also i don't i don't like the word, the word progressive because <laughs> progressive would seem to would seem to indicate that people didn't always have a, an i a, a desire to develop um <clears throat> What is it that, I mean, like you said, you've been in it two years and, and I think you're kind of, in a weird kind of a way, kind of lucky to be training in a dojo which is so kind of open and, and Broomhall Sensei's like, you know, like, um, so Cheryl and I and um, um, my partner Tewa and our mate Kalima, all, we all train the same dojo, so we've kind of got this kind of... Um, cross-the-ditch dojo family going on Um, and for me I know I came from a training background I was very lucky my my, my first um, real teacher was very open and then after that I moved to other people um, I moved on as I moved around uh, lived in different places and countries and things where that was not the case Um, how do you find training with Broomhall Sensei the bukai and what's sort of some of the things where you go yeah I'm, 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 that's one of the things I really like about training here
1: well there's way too many things that mm. I can really pick out but um, I guess yeah the, the atmosphere yeah. that in the dojo that the sensei create um It is very. um, It's fun. It's um, engaging, and just I think that the passion for the art that they both have, it's really, it's really infectious. Mm. So it's quite easy to get addicted, and you can go in there and feel miserable from a horrible day at work or anything and then within a couple of minutes and after a couple of hours in the training uh, training with them, you just feel like a million bucks and you don't even remember why you were miserable in the first place when you walked in, you know? Mm. 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 Um, so that's, I guess, one thing that I really, really love. So I can't really pinpoint what exactly um, it is, but the whole thing is just mm. amazing, yeah.
0: I think something that stands out for me about um, Paul Sensei, Broom Hall Sensei, this is his karate shorts. <laughs> well, he, he did get rid of that. Oh no, I oh, thought they were cool. <laughs> I mean, um, and just so, so, so dear listeners, so you can get an idea. So, in the Machida style of karate, um, you will see if you've if you had a look the Machida how uh, Lyoto Machida and the Machida. Uh, family have created a style of karate based around shotokan in which they wear these uh, gi pants which are more, they wear normal gi but instead of having the normal length pants they have MMA pants, uh, the gi pants are cut very much like MMA shorts um, and when I first saw, saw Broomhall Sensei I, I saw him wearing them and I was, because I'd seen Machida, um, Leoto Machida and his family wearing them and, and they're great practitioners. I kind of cracked up, and I think that a lot of a lot of people realize what he's trying to do. And I'm talking about Paul Sensei, and um, <laughs> and he's got amazing legs. Let's just put that out there. He's got he's got incredible legs. Look at those pins. Um, but I like them. I'm actually going to get a pair of shorts cut down like them. But I know that Misha um, Sensei has had a few things. Has a few, had a few choice words with him about. How they look, and I know people laugh at them, but you know, Paul Sensei, I'm with you, brother. I'm with you. I think there's there's the secret to your karate technique. Um, So, I know. Look, I'm good mates with um, uh, Rudolph, who's uh, one of your um, one of your um, dojo brothers, and Jr, who's another dojo brother. I think that for me, you can tell a lot about a teacher by the student. And also, I love the fact that... Oh, the point I was trying to make 10 minutes ago <laughs> was that um, during the lockdown, here in New Zealand, we're out of lockdown, thankfully. Our borders are still closed, but we're out of lockdown. That um, JR, Rudolph, um, Cheryl, Misha, um, and Rumi-sensei himself, we all trained together on Skype, and it was really cool. And also, like he was so... Um, so, what's the word? He was so open to you training with, with Dombrowski, Sensei and others. And I think that's so cool. You so very, really find it. And I like how he had this thing of like, yeah, yeah, look, go and do it. And then come back and teach us. You know, it's so simple, such a simple attitude, but it's so rare. You know, right, yeah. um, which is why I think that Paul uh, Broomhall, Sensei, is a robot. <laughs> yeah, he's a rare
1: find. Um, yeah, he's definitely very open-minded and very humble. So, and that's one of the great things about him. Yeah, he he let me train with you twice a week for the last. It was, it was pretty mm. well three months, I think. Yep. I was training with you online. Yeah. And also with um, Mike the Boston
0: center, Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, and and also it's a thing of tools. Like just so we know, you know, um, playing uh, playing video games together online is actually not considered training. Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, no, but, you know, like, you can see a lot, you know, it's just sort of that lack of kind of, that lack of wanting to own their students. I mean, that's one thing I appreciate when I see that, is that, for me, I feel lucky. I feel so honoured that people want to come and train with me. You know, like, come to the dojo, I'm like, you know, like they're not there as my disciples. Hopefully they're there as my friends first. And then, yeah, I teach them some stuff. But I, I learn as much, if not more, from my the people who train with me, um, as as they, I I get to t- I get them teach them how to kick a bit different or punch a bit different or how to do some weird dances and and how to roll around on the floor with each other, um, but I think that real sense, well for me, what a sense they should be is that someone who actually learns from these students as well. Um, and I know for me, if you talk to Kalima and Tawa when they first started training, we first started training, my, my sessions would go to four or five hours. Uh-huh. I, said, I said, oh, look, um, just so you know, I don't use a, I can't, I don't have a clock on the dojo. I just go until I feel like stopping. And it was this thing of, like, we go for four or five hours. Have you talked to all my um, dancer students from back then? They'll go, oh, yeah, we remember those sessions. Um, I but, would love that. But well, no, <laughs> you say that. Um, but thankfully, they kind of uh, they they sort of stuck with me, and I think that's the hardest thing sometimes as an instructor and as a student to stay motivated. So what? How do you motivate yourself? What like I know for me, like I do things like I'll read a book around martial arts, a particular sensei that I like, or I will watch a YouTube video or something. Is there a particular Thing that kind of gets you motivated for for training because I know that you and you guys have just started back contact training eh yeah. yes so yes well when i say and when I say contact training, I do of course mean from a safe distance on via via um <laughs> via uh zoom <laughs> no we did get the go ahead yesterday as of Thursday, friday the thirty mm-hmm. yes but, um,
1: contact was allowed
0: mm. Um. So uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so what? What's what? How do you inspire? I mean, I sort of, I kind of de- derailed you there. I'm sorry, sure Um, okay. what? How do you get in, What inspires you? Like, what do you use to go right and go into a session or something like that? Is there when you uh, when the few times when you don't feel like training and that, or you're just kind of feeling a bit l- a low ebb? Is there particular things that inspire you to get into the dojo? Right, um.
1: A rare thing that I'm not in. Yeah, that I'm not motivated. I'm usually bouncing, ready to go. In terms of karate anyway, yeah. not everything else. Yeah. Um, but to go to the Zozo, if I'm really, if I'm really struggling, I guess I would probably just say, tell myself that I know that I'm gonna end up feeling 100% at the end of the session. Mm. So. Yeah, if I've had, like, a lot of anxiety or something that day, and, I, you know, sometimes I get to a point where even just as I walk into the dojo, I get anxiety from going there Mm. as well. And, you know, you get that sort of sick feeling in your tummy, and, you know, sometimes you might have to run to the bathroom a couple of times at the start of the session. But I know that if I stick it out for the, you know, two hours that, That anxiety is completely, completely gone, and I feel like a completely, well, I feel like me at the end of the session, Mm. so, and I keep that in mind every time I'm feeling a little bit flat, even if it's just, you know, five minutes of kata as well, I don't feel like it, I'll do it, and
0: Mm. yeah. You know, it's funny because I just sort of think, my gosh, I, I mean, just the weather has such an impact too. Like, because you have all all year round warm, like we have, our summer's pretty warm, not not as warm as what Ken's will get, but it's pretty warm. Um, and so everyone's bouncing and ready to go and you want to train outside and do all these things. But the, the, the widow maker is the winter months here. You know, go to the dojo. And my dojo's got carpet on the floor um, because it's just how it is. Pardon me. Um, so it's probably a little warmer but it's also got no natural light so I have to get in there and crank up heaters because it, you, we get in there and it's literally two degrees below zero um, and some people go oh you know back in the day we didn't use heaters and yes back in the day you did heaters but you know like I'm not going to get um, I, you know I've got to think about the health of the people that I'm training with um, it has such an effect the weather and you guys are so lucky that it's so warm all the time. It's like, oh, it's so good for the temperament. and Especially if you're Polynesian people, yeah. you know. Yeah, if you, well, oh, We will, don't worry. We, we, as soon as those barriers as soon as, they, as soon as we get the go-ahead, we'll be straight over. We'll be straight over the train. Um, yeah, I, look, I, I think for me, one of the things that I've really appreciated, um, Cheryl, about the way that you train, about the way that, and the friendship and the dojo family that we've kind of created has been that it's said to me that there are p- good people out there who just want, who are just in it for the right reasons, and I think what a what a difference one good instructor can make because of that attitude. I think when you do something positive, it attracts positive people to you. If you're the kind of instructor where it's about building a cult where people walk around and sort of bow and scrape to you and sort of you know you you want to fulfill an ego need to be worshiped you can do that as well but i think that in the long run that that's a road to well that's a road that leads to nowhere really um with misha sensei and and paul sensei and the in the dojo that you've got going um what i'm what i'm enjoying and what i'm discovering is that you guys also help me to get motivated, help my students to get motivated. Like, we literally go, you know, you guys are like the other part of our family, you guys are like our, you guys are our, our, our Ken, like, it's like another branch of the same dojo. I mean, even though I don't have the stunning legs, um, that, you know, Paul seems has, all those wonderful, wonderful, amazing looking shorts. Um, you know, like there's so many things that make us, that make us the same, and we, and we, people would look at us and be different. Now, um, we're coming up to the end, and um, I want to just ask you a couple of things, if I can. So, for um, women who are contemplating getting into karate or a martial art, what would you say to them? Would you encourage them? I mean, obviously, it's not just it's not about the art; the art's not important. But as a woman, um, and I'm not talking about you know the stereotypical things, oh, like you need to learn to defend yourself. What are the things that you get? Out of a particip- participation in the martial arts, as a mother, as a woman, as a professional, um, what would you say to um, someone who's uh, another woman who's thinking about it? Would you say let's get at it, go 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 do it? How would you? Well, how would you encourage them?
1: Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I have tried to encourage the, uh, women join up well, but I think the main thing, I know I keep going on about maybe the psychology side of things, um, rather than the actual physical training side of things, but I think my biggest selling point would be that it does help with uh, mental health, Um, it really absolutely helps with anxiety and depression, and, and just. Obviously, the relationships that you have with the people in the dojo, um, but at the same time, being able to discover things that your body can actually do, and you didn't realise that you could, especially as a 40-year-old female after two kids and things like that. I was was pretty unfit and uh, overweight and things like that, and um, I went in there just thinking how am I going to do this like I have no idea what I'm doing um, and then over the month yeah my body actually I, 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 um, I had sort of a chronic back pain and uh, knee pain and neck pain and that was pretty well for consistently since I had kids that even maybe before but um, I touch wood have had no pain um about a couple of months into training. So I've actually got a lot more mobility, a lot more strength, and my body's proven that it can actually do things that I never thought I could. Mm. Um, and I kind of look at it when I train, I look at it as a celebration of what my body can actually do. Wow. So, and, I'll, and I thought it makes me feel good. Um, uh, I, I reckon, um, yeah, in terms of is still there every now and then, but nowhere near what it was. And um, yeah, I, it, it
0: just does wonders for me. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant! What a one, what a beautiful articulation! You know, um, a celebration of what the body can do. You know, you've actually changed the t- you've just changed the title of this um, of this <laughs> podcast. I'm going to call it Karate's a party, and you're invited. How's that? <laughs> now that's what I want you know i 've never thought of it in those ways, you know like i I think that i've all, I, I, you know and that's that lack of beginner's mind um and I don't mean that in any kind of condescending patronizing way is that you know like we I tend to focus on what i can 't do you know and as opposed to what it is that I can do, so that's a wonderful lesson you know I tend to go, oh you know, like, oh, I wish I wish I could do this and I used to be able to do that, rather than focusing on what I'm actually able to do, I'm 48. So, um, you know, and I'm in a reasonable sort of nick and I can do some pretty cool things, you know. It takes a lot of warm-ups, but you know, I can still do some cool things. And, um, you know, you're so, it's so right, you know, like, um, for me what it allows me at 48 is to be able to play a game of tag with my daughter run around and jump over things and run up bridges and you know all that sort of stuff so you know that's yeah. so true what a wonderful way of putting it that's a great articulation um, just make sure Broomy doesn't steal that because he will you know how he is you know he'll, yeah, he'll, he steals all my
1: cards, Yeah, he'll, he claims it as
0: brain you know like I'm just going to say something Uh Bremby Sensei if you're listening. Um, you know, may the force be with you. That's not an original one. That's not yours. You didn't make that up. You know, just so you know. Um and you're not a Jedi. Just so you're listening. Um hey look, I just wanna take time just to thank you so much for a great conversation. Um I know I want to get you, Kalima and Tawa in together because I think you guys have had some cool convos. Wanna get Misha Sensei and all the rest and just have some fun. And I applaud your courage, because I know this morning when you got up, you were doing some stretching and going about your day, and I says, "Oh, you're feeling brave," and you just jumped on so um thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I think um people who listen to it will get a lot out of it um and um I've gotten heaps out of it, so thank you so much uh, guys if you want to um if you want to um catch up with um, she'll, she's she got a cool Facebook page and it's called McDoja in which she does all sorts of cool things about um, the way in which you can utilise um, exercise especially around physiotherapy as a way of strengthening your body and like she said creating a celebration of what your body can do so yeah, catch us on Instagram uh, check us out on Facebook and thanks so much um, and um, you never know you call now If you call now, um, you might get signed steak knives uh, from (laughs) from Shil. Thanks, Shil.
1: Thanks, Sensei.